Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, Head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode, the hell are we, uh, 146A, Tales with TR. So, I started on this format going Two a week, one solo, one with a guest, for the most part. For the most part. Uh, I don't know. I guess it would be, I guess, over a year ago now, right? Episodes 70 or 80. It was around there, I believe. I don't go back and listen to the archived footage. I'm not one for nostalgia that way, just a couple of years of my podcast. But I do go back sometimes just to... Let's say I had Mizey on. I didn't want to ask him the same questions in case anybody's listening. Um, intently and attentively to previous episodes. Uh, you know, and there are, even though it's been a couple of years, there are people that listen quite closely. So I often go back and check for that reason, but I can't really remember when I started. And I know at the very first, when I used to have this, you know how it all came to be even that's foggy i believe it was either yeah it was during the pandemic anyway carter potts now the hockey pod podcast network run by dylan kaiser 
is uh, they produce this for me. So I, I record it, do my thing, send it off. They add the music, the advertising. They take care of a lot. I wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for them. Well, Carter Potts, more specifically, out in Calgary, Carter, um, you know, he does a lot one-on-one -on -one with me if I need a sound bite added or, you know, when I do rapid-fire randoms or applause or little things like that that don't seem like a lot, but I need it and I can't do it. I'm not technologically gifted enough, nor do I have the time. So Carter, who, again, thanks very much, buddy, tells me that I believe 147 will be my 200th episode um, because this A and B kind of lends itself to losing count. But anyway, so that's where we are. 200 episodes. We're in and around, uh, almost at 200 episodes. So thank you for everybody uh, listening that's been here since day one. Well, thanks for, you know, fuck, day one, I probably had 10 people listening. Thanks to everybody that uh, continues to support the program. I know I, I've mentioned that before, but, uh, you know, it really does mean a lot because I get to interview friends and talk about hockey and, uh, for you know, for part of my living. And I'll often, you know, sometimes complain, say, if I run out of time or the guest reschedules or I reschedule or, you know, there are hiccups in everything you do, but each time I have a hiccup. When it comes to this podcast thing, I'm like, you know, it could be a lot worse here. Uh, so, and uh, speaking of listeners, yeah, that's one thing. One of the listeners, Carl from Ontario. Carl says, hey, TR, what do you do for a living mostly? What do I do mostly? I assume you mean, Carl, like for most of my income. So, yeah, I mean, you're seeing it. I do the podcasting acting um and that's just just not shorzy what you guys see i mean it is i got leave in three weeks i can't wait and of the acting i do that's the most important the most consistent and probably probably pays the most given that it's a regular character you know but um no i come back here to st john's my daughter lives here i mentioned that before but i wouldn't i mean i leave here and there but uh no i'm, I'm based out of here and we have enough going on that uh, you might not even, like when I say I'm acting for a living, since Shorzy went Shorzy, I guess so. So in the last year, I've done two movies whereby I'm a one of the main bad guys, I guess you could say, one of the main, one of the main characters, but I'm in the shady world. Uh, you know, but that's, two of those took a month combined. Right. For the most part, I say I'm acting. I go in, I do background acting or I do, uh, I work crew sometimes, set dressing. I, I enjoy that. There, there are, I mean, parts of the crew work that get monotonous, but I don't mind. I do locations here and there, production assistant, which is pretty much jump how fucking high, but uh, I don't mind it. You know, I, I, li I like being around a film set. Um, even if it's, you know, a long way removed from the camera. Being in that locations, I mean, you know, you have to make sure the parking goes okay. You have to move 
tents and video village and, and make sure everybody's taken care of and directors chairs and all that. It really is, you know, a kind of go fetch kind of a job, but it just, when the wheels are in motion, you're on a film set and you're getting a job done and you know, it feels, feels good. It feels, I guess you're working as a team and the result is direct. Like it, I guess any job I could say I'm working with a team. I could, I was working with a team technically when I was a Red Bull sales rep, territory manager here in Newfoundland in the late 2000s. But I didn't really see that team all the time. And a lot of that team, quote unquote team, were trying to outsell me so they could individually benefit from a promotion or whatever. I mean, and that's the way I mean the world works. You're hockey's team, but it's, you're on a personal journey and, you know, you got to, pay the bills but uh i just mean it really it really does feel like a team when you're on a film set you gotta you know you you're all working it's it's immediate you uh you can see just wait wait a few months and watch an episode or whatever you worked on or the movie and you know you can really see a product of what you all did together much like a hockey game or a you know musician at a concert or whatever it would be so much like anything, really. I could give some kind of a loose metaphor for teamwork in any fucking job you have. I'm just, I guess, answering the question, what do I do? Well, that's what I do. Uh, in the off time, uh, other than that, I do do like, appearances and stuff, you know, um, generally. Depending on the situation. But you guys see me go to these places. A lot of you think I do it for free. I don't. Um, I make try to make sure that everybody wins. Someone flies me in and we're selling tickets. I want to make sure that you make some money. If it's a charity event, you know, so prices change. Uh, but if you're ever interested in an event or whatever, shoot me a note on Instagram or uh, terryryan2020 at gmail.com. I don't really advertise for it, but there's a niche. There's a a group. The hockey world's not large. It seems like that, but just the pro hockey world in general, not even just NHL. So word gets out there. You know, you got to book you, do some public speaking. I've done some stand-up in the past. I'll generally get 10 to 20 offers a year to fly in. And Rapid City, we did a live Q&A. Uh, Pittsburgh with Chicklets, we did literally a comedy show. Um, I go to golf tournaments in the summer. I'm going to PEI. I'll uh, raise money for the Boys and Girls Club, put some money in my own pocket. Everybody wins kind of thing. So that's something, too. And then those cameos. Uh, and that's another thing. My uh, So many people... I love all you guys, man. All my listeners and, and my friends and family. I just can't do them for free anymore, guys. I'm sorry. Jeez, I love you guys. I know there's people listening to this. Boyd Olson out there and one of my ex-teammates out at Edmonton. I love you, Boyd. You know I do. Uh, Steve Callahan right here. Callie right in St. John's. Love you. But what happens is like, so Boyd's coaching like Bantam and he'll send me a message. Like one of my good friends too. Uh, hey, we just won. Can you can you send out one of those videos? And Or Callie the other night coaching junior hockey. Hey, we won. Everybody got sticks. Just like Shorzy, can you send us a quick video message? But that's just an example. I love those guys. So I get probably 20 requests like that a week. Outside. Just go through Cameo. You know, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be pretentious, but I got to 
I can't just do them. They, they take a little bit of planning. I'd like to think I'm pretty quick with my creativity. But, you know, someone asked me for a happy birthday on Cameo. I'm going to try to do a good job. I'm going to write a poem or write a little bit or, you know, play on some words. Or some people just want a few paragraphs of encouragement. Some people, literally, I had to do one for a funeral the other day. The guy got buried in a Montreal Canadiens casket and literally wanted like a kind of a one-liney stand-up kind of cameo for five minutes for his fucking funeral. But that that's what everybody, that's what they wanted. They were very specific, so I helped them out. But you see what I mean? That takes planning and everything, and it's part of my living. Sometimes a month goes by, I don't work, right? Our show does well, but it's not like fucking Seinfeld, right? I mean, it's not like I'm on Stranger Things. Actually, it is like that. It's kind of like that. But <laughs> nowadays, um, but meaning, yeah, it pays well. But we shoot for a month, right? I'll go up there August 2nd till May, I think, 15th or 16th. It's just over a month. So think about it. Like I said, the pay's pretty good. I'm in no position to, I don't have like, I do have an agent. It's good money for what I'm doing, for sure. But like I said, you got to be ready to not work for a long time. We're, the whole of what you see, Shorzy season one, yeah, that was what, 26 days of work, right? It's nice, but you rely on the public speaking and everything, Right. And the appearances and the golf tournaments and stuff. That, I mean, that's where it kind of pays off. I'd never be able to live just on the money I make doing Shorzy. I don't, I, I, it's good, but I need to live another 11 months out of the year. So I'm not sure that people quite understand how, or understand how it works. But part of that point is look, my friends, family, I love you guys. And if, if I see you out, hey, how you doing? I'll sign something for you, whatever. But these, Video requests, just go through Cameo. Like, it's part of my living anyway. And I got to do those first. As much as I love you, Callie, and I love you, Boyd, right? I can't, I only have so much time. Sometimes the Cameo's back up, right? Because someone will request something, and you look down, and you got three days, right? So if I got three days to do six, right, I often run out of time. I don't have time to do them. I might, I might think I do, and then I get called into the film set. Or then uh, I do some hockey school stuff in the summer. That's another thing. Uh, you know, maybe maybe someone will call for lessons. Maybe Penny Lane has to do something. I'm a single dad, right? Today she's got soccer at four. So she, I, I got to get her from school at two twenty. Then she's got soccer at four. Then she has basketball at five thirty. Then she has soccer again at at eight. And the soccer is right down the end of town. It's twenty five minute drive. So I'm on the go. So these cameos. I mean, I write a lot of them on the fly. You see me do these in. Right when I post them, I'm doing it in my car or like outside a soccer field. It's because I'm doing it on the fly. Like I really don't have time in a day a lot of the time. So I just can't one-off these. And not, I'm not trying to pull rank even. Love you, Boyd. Love you, Callie. Love you, everybody. There's just two examples because I know the boys don't mind me talking about it. But, you know, I feel like a prick, but that's it. You, got, you know, someone's going to pay me $150 and I got two hours to do it and three more to do within that hour, I'm going to do those first, right? I have to, right? And then there's auditions, and auditions aren't easy because you have, I'm not complaining. I fucking love my life, but it's a bunch of things. There's no one main little thing that I do. That's why I'm always on the go. 
And auditions, like I said, I mean, auditions pays off if you get it. You want to know how acting works? I would say I get one of every 10 things I audition for. And that's probably a good percentage, 10%. I don't know. I've never asked any actor specifically. Some, like, I don't know, Alan Hawko's a buddy. Uh, Alan will probably, at this point, he auditions, but he'll be phoned. You know, he's got an agency. People know who he is. He's a very well-established, very well-paid actor. So for that, maybe the percentage goes up a little bit because people are asking him to audition. Does that happen to me? Yeah, it happens here and there, right? You might get one day as, ah, this, this... They need a gangster as part of this group. Hey, Terry, are you available? Can you keep that tooth out? Come in. Here's here's uh, two lines. Nothing. Hard. I go in for the day. Perfect, right? So that happens. But most of the things that I want or I, I seek out or my agent seeks out for me, he or she, I work with Megan and Dave at uh, Ambition Talent. Well, they'll call me with a heads up, right? You got three days. Here's your character. Here's what you need to know about him. And uh, here's the script, right? So it's not only memory. You got to put yourself. I mean, you want the role. You got to seriously, for lack of a better word, act, right? So sometimes those are there. To be six pages of dialogue, and I'm out trying to remember that. Like, and it's it's often for no payoff. If you don't get the gig, it's for no payoff, and it's work and work, work, work. So. Again, not fucking complaining, but, you know, to remember six hours of dialogue and get yourself into this role and really try to get yourself there, knowing that you might, the odds are you're not going to get it really stacked against you in every way. Right. So that's kind of what I'm saying and where I'm coming from on that to answer your question, Carl, in a fucking long roundabout way. And to remind some of you guys that. I really appreciate everything and the follows and the friendship and everything, Boyd and Callie and whoever. But, um, yeah, I'm not trying to be pretentious. I, I just don't have the time, you know. Um, and if you want, want it that bad, if you want it that bad, pay the fucking 100 sheets or 100 sheets, 100 bones or whatever it is. You know, I don't know. It's a hockey team. If everybody threw in fucking $5, get off your wallet. <laughs> uh, let's see I got a friend in Australia I haven't talked about hockey much yet, sorry I got a friend in Australia, Haley Haley, I just want to give you a quick shout out Haley watched Shorzy She didn't know much about my career Me or hockey or the Montreal Canadiens Or hell, the fucking NHL I don't believe before um, We Developed a you know, loose communication. Um, online, I've never met Haley. It's it's not one of those things. Um, although she's, of course, a pretty girl, a very young, outgoing, real nice girl that, that, that lives in Australia. And I'm just saying there was there was never a date or I, we had never actually met in person. So I'm not saying it for that reason. It's not boy meets girl and gushes or it's just she's a really seems like a good person as good a friend as you can get from not meeting somebody. And uh, it fascinates me, Australia, for so many reasons. I can't wait to go there someday. And I do have quite a bit of an audience over there, considering I've never been. I don't really know why. 
Uh, I don't even think I've had an Australian on the program. I probably should, but I have a quite like a, a an overrepresented audience over there. Put it that way. Anyway, Haley's been there since day one, um, and Haley had some guy problems. She uh, and it's not like we talked to each other about that. But she just seemed a little bit down and out of it. I didn't hear from her for a while. And some of her posts, you kind of read past it. And there was something depressing her. So when I asked her, she said, look, I was really happy. I was with this guy. And I found out that the whole time we were going out, I believe it was a year, maybe a little bit more, Haley. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm led to believe that was around the time. And she said he had a girlfriend the whole time. Now, I don't know what that feels like. It must be a dagger. I've had my heart broken. I've broken hearts, and that doesn't feel good either. I've had anxiety. I've left home. Oh, God, the worst was 2017. Was it when I went to Ontario? I didn't know if, I'd, if I could come back because I didn't have the money. I needed to work. I wasn't going to see Penny Lane, and that's a different kind of love, but it's just it's heartache, and it's anxiety, and I hate it, and I know, Haley, I know. That if I I can't identify, I've never gone out with somebody for that long and realized they had a double life. Have I cheated? Yes, I have. I'm not. There's, we're all flawed in some way. I try to be the best person I can, to be honest. That's one of the hardest things. Not going to get specific, but I'm, I'm in my 40s. And, uh, you know, I've had girlfriends, wives, whatever. And uh, it's not easy to... Be faithful. At least it isn't for me. Uh, but having an ongoing affair or affair is one thing, but a double life. I've never dealt with that. I don't know uh, how I would. Like I said, I've had some major mental stress and heartache and and friendships gone sour and relationships gone sour sometimes my fault sometimes their fault but that must suck haley so listen i think you're awesome uh i really appreciate like new fans from all over the world you know it's refreshing to have fans that just had no fucking idea who i was just a few years ago you know it gives it makes me feel young and relevant and like i you know as a as a performer as a player as a musician or an actor or whatever you know you want to keep giving to a new audience you you, you want to keep expanding that boundary that at least with me i was always shackled when it came to being creative you know like when i played hockey i didn't even tell anybody i wrote much or poetry to come out here and there i think my real good friends on each team knew but you know, it was so freeing when I got to just open up and be creative. And now to do this, if you want to call this creativity, I just flipped on my fucking laptop, hit Zoom, <laughs> smoked half a joint and had some coffee. I mean, you want to call this fucking creative, then go ahead. But uh, I guess I just did. But it, it, it's not. Yeah, I, I guess it's creative in the sense it's on the fly. It's like ad-libbing or, or whatnot. But uh it's it's a nice reward anyway to have people tune in from all across the planet and it it fascinates me that people are listening in australia so i appreciate that a lot haley and uh i know that you were talking about 
um, traveling, you know, to get, I, to me, that's the best. I could have the worst anxiety in the world if I travel somewhere, if I just get out of where I am when I'm going through the anxiety, it almost, it almost goes away. Like it's there, but it almost goes away completely. And uh, that's me. Everybody's different. Some people talked to Brant Myers last week. Thank you, by the way, Brant. What a fucking interview. What, well, I'm patting myself on the back. What a chat. What a, what, what an interviewee he is. Um, wasn't much of an interview. Point of view of questions asked. It was just a conversation with a friend. But anyway, Brant would probably deal with that with booze and drugs, right? I mean, he said he would. I'm not talking out of turn there. Uh, some people maybe go on a hike. You know, that, that works too. Hey, booze and drugs work too for me. I'm just saying it, it wouldn't be my first choice when I'm going through something like that. Traveling would. So, Haley, I know you got a couple of good friends that also listen. I forget their names, but uh, it's hard to go through. I get so many fucking messages, as you know, and uh, it's such a catch-22 because I love hearing from new people, but I just can't get to all the messages, man. And um, But anyway, Haley, recently you were with one friend in particular. I can't remember her name. And she follows my pod, too. There can't be that many in your circle that do. So I'm saying this. Why don't you guys get together and go on a trip to North America? If you make your way here to Newfoundland, I promise I'll take you out. I'll be a good tour guide. And uh, I think you deserve a trip. I think you deserve to uh, relax your mind a little bit. And although what happens sucks, and I know it sucks, man. I get that. But I can't really identify, so forgive me for if I don't understand. But I think that you need a nice mental reset and uh, wash that guy and situation out of your mind. And on the bright side, it's only one year. There's probably a lot of good things that happened. I can think of the worst relationship I had. Some real bitches. Some people that I never want to see again. But, But I'm telling you, I can remember things during that time that I'm glad I did them. I'm glad I experienced them. It wouldn't make me who I am today. And even though that girl was a bitch, well, I mean, in my account, um, well, there were good times, right? I don't know. Maybe it was the sex. Maybe it was the hike. Maybe we went to, or maybe you or, or, or a sports game or, or something. But for me, the biggest fucking messes that I've ever been with. I can think of lots of things that we did that was fun. Anyway, uh, so Haley, hang in there. I'm not just talking to Haley either. I'm talking to a lot of you fucks out there. I know. I know what it's like. I don't know if anybody sails through life without having their heart broken some way or another. Um, or, or some kind of heartache. Doesn't necessarily always have to be with a significant romantic other. It could be anything. It could be job loss, man. You could have a job you fucking love. You're set. Just get out of university. You plug in your fucking time. You're a waiter or a waitress somewhere. Just waiting and then boom, you get the fucking job of a lifetime. You love it. You're rolling. You're out at happy hour. You're fucking behind a desk now. You're not fucking serving people. Boom, you lose it three quarters of a year in enough to know what the life's like but now you lose it and you got to go back to fucking 
being a waiter for a while with uncertainty, not knowing. All you know is that you're not doing what you want to, but you got to forge through. You got to. You have no other choice. You have to pay the bills. Except now you can't go on that trip to fucking Florida that you wanted to do. And you can't fucking go buy that brand new Jeep that you were going to get. You got to go backwards for a while. I get it. That that kind of it, disappointment, heartache. I don't know if heartache is the word there, but there are similar fucking feelings involved. It's like, oh, fuck. Shit that keep you up all fucking night. You know what I mean? Shit that'll keep you up all week. Right? Like, it's one thing to find out your girl's fucking cheating on you. Your guy's cheating on you, Haley. I know. It's one thing. And then you find out that he had another fucking girlfriend all along or whatever. I mean, yeah, fuck. It's like you're down and your ribs are broken and you try to get up and someone snaps off your leg. You know, it's like, fuck, fuck. I've fucking been there. Hockey players have been there. Fucking actors have been there. Fucking football players have been there. Plumbers have been there. Lawyers. There's always someone got it worse. Right? There's always someone. Why does that matter? Anyway, um, I'm just saying. A lot of the time we go through these things and we think we're alone, but we're not because I live on a small street in a small town. And... I look out my window and I see six houses and I bet you that at least one of those houses, if not many of them, people are going through shit like that, man. Who knows? Maybe I won't say it, but one of the people on my street, man, fuck. Pandemic happens. They got a small business, okay? I just know this out shoveling a few weeks ago. Small business. And it took a real hit during the pandemic, but they fucking struggled. They struggled. They took a hit for like eight months, kept it open, right? In that time, the insurance on the car ran out. Said, you know what? They'll let me off one. I'll go one month with no insurance. I've been there. I've done it. I know it sounds bad. You're not supposed to do it, but we don't live in this sugar-coated world that, you know, there's nuance to everything, and that is people cut corners. Oh, maybe I go one month, you know, one month. I only need to use it eight times in that month, and I'll do it, and boom. Yeah, until until you get in an accident or you get pulled over or whatever it would be, and that's what happened, right? This particular person got pulled over and just by the wrong person lost the license, Ended up losing the business because of all the hassle and financial woes that go with losing your license. So, and that's one person on a small, quiet street in a suburb of a moderately big city in a small province in Canada. I mean, you know, I've been up and, and, and I've been in Toronto and fucking downtown. Toronto, where the average house costs one hundred one, sorry, one million, one point seven million dollars for an average place. Frequently, a little tiny, tiny room that you rent out, not an apartment, just a room, fifteen hundred dollars. An apartment. My buddy lives in a tiny, tiny apartment, 
by Spadina, which is pretty much smack dab in downtown Toronto. Spadina and uh, King. Real, not not that far from the CN Tower, Rogers Center, all that. But it's tiny. Like, it's fucking, I wouldn't know square footage, but if my house is 650 square feet, which is tiny, this is at least half of that. Honestly, it's just a bed, and there's a kitchen in there, real small. It's almost like one of those, like, modern, what do they call them, uh, those modern, small, little kind of pop-up apartments that they make out of, like, old train cars and stuff. Except that would be even bigger. This is tiny, and he pays 4200 bucks. So, I, I mean, a month. So, 12 months in a year, 12 times 5, 4800 is always pretty much 5 grand, right? So, you're looking at $60,000, just but you haven't spent a cent on anything else yet. So, I wonder, like, when I eat at, I don't know, I'm walking down. Let's say you're walking down King or Queen Street in Toronto and you eat at Burrito fucking Villa or, you know, I don't know, McDonald's, wherever. How do the people working in there live? How do they live when that's the prices? Of course, I guess you could get multiple roommates, but you'd have to get a lot, wouldn't you, if you're working the minimum wage job? And King and Queen Street's all like little record shops and, you know, mom and pop clothing stores. How the fuck do you live on that? In in a place like that with the average rent is, you know, five times what it is in a place like this. Or at least four times. Yeah, sometimes five. Anyway. Why was I talking about that? I'm not really sure. But let's move on, I suppose. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose. Again, that's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, so, Mickey in Saskatchewan. Mickey. Asked me about Brandt. He said, if Brandt Myers was so good, why didn't he focus on being a player? Look, I didn't say so good, but he was good. Look at his stats. There are people, I don't want to start naming people, but there are goons out there. There are enforcers. I hate the word goon. There are enforcers during my era or any era, but definitely a lot during mine. That really, unless they could do that, they couldn't play. Like they were so bad at hockey. 
They could be 30 playing junior and they wouldn't get 10 goals in a year. But if you look at Mizey, I'm telling you, my my first experience with Mizey coming into Tri-Cities, okay, I'd heard about him. Uh, it was impossible to play hockey in any league fucking west of Toronto and not know who Brad Myers was. I'm serious. There were big-time scorers in the league, right? 93, 94 would have been my first full year in the Western League. 91, 92, I was in Quinnell. That was the year I was 14, though. I heard of Brad Myers. It was impossible not to play junior but I, and not hear of him, but he was already in the Western League. In 92, 93, my second year in Quinnell, that's when Sheldon, or sorry, yeah, Sheldon was in Quinnell with me, but it's not when he fought Brent. He fought Brent in 93, 94. But anyway, 92, 93 is my second year junior out west. But again, I'm not playing against Myers because I'm in junior A. But when I get to junior, major junior, I'm 16. The talk of the league is fucking Brent Myers, man. Like, honestly, there was lots of tough guys. But in all that toughness, he was number one with a bullet. Now, unless it was just my dressing room, but if anybody out there is listening from the Western League in the mid-90s, early 90s, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Brant Myers by far the most intimidating? And I'm talking a league with like fucking Wade Belak and Rocky Thompson and Chris McAllister and, oh, God, Rob Skurlak and uh, Kevin Sawyer. Jesus Christ, Ryan Brown, Zidane Chara and... The year after Mizey left. Um, Scott Parker. I, I can go. Every team had them. Every team. We, I mean, you know, and all real tough guys that made the NHL as tough guys. But I'm telling you, of all of them, there was nobody like Myers. It was like Bob Probert at the time. Like, Probert earned the title of, I, I think, like, by the time I was playing junior, you know, he was 10 years into the NHL and he was widely regarded as the toughest fighter ever. I would think, unless I'm traveling in circles that I'm being totally naive, it was like Probert could even like have a bad fight and he still had earned that, you know? Like when Domi went in and nearly beat him in New York, I don't think anybody was still saying that Domi was the toughest in the league. It was that, oh man, Domi had a good one with Probert of all people. And Probert was this almost like caricature of a man of like he was you know and he had all that trouble off the ice um prime video now got a uh, tough guy the bob probert story and uh while it's a little bit flawed at times as as a film i thought not that i'm this big movie critic but there are parts i think could have been explained better but for the most part it is a pretty rollicking story a lot like myers probert was obviously a little bit more on a bigger stage being, uh, well, Probert was an NHL All-Star as well, right? People forget that. He had 30 goals. I mean, Probert was a, was a great player. Great. He was good, good, good player. Great player for an enforcer. Um, well, Mizey was every bit like, in relative terms, Mizey and Junior was like Bob Probert in the NHL. Again, if I'm talking out of turn here, someone fucking correct me. Because my experience could be, but I thought that universally those years and, and, and that Myers, and Myers came in, and my so he played in the league for four years, right? He's nineteen when I played against him my first year. But 
I remember, man, he came in with spoke and he fucking went upstairs on the power play. I was like, Jesus, a tough guy. Then he made a few moves. Look at it. I'm, I looked at the stats the other day, but he's, he's like 32 points in maybe 29 games, something like that. Like, I mean, he can score on a full year, right? That's 70 or 80 points for a, a, a quote unquote goon. That's what I meant. So he was so tough. I saw players that weren't as tough as Myers make a career out of playing in the NHL, and they weren't close to as good. But, I mean, you look, I'm not... Ty Domi, real tough, but he ended up getting a chance to play. I think a couple of years he had like 13 goals. One year he had 15 or 16. That's kind of... You know, you're you're not really in the goon conversation anymore. You're You're a tough role player, and there's a big difference. Langer could have been that, but Langer was like around a few weeks ago uh you know langer was one of those guys he often got one shift go fight right and my z in the nhl was often that guy one shift two shifts but i'm just telling you i've seen enough third line guys that just think that they can skate they hit they, they not like my z wouldn't listen on the ice he was a fucking freak show off of it an absolute party animal, Dr. Feelgood, that is lucky to be above ground now, no doubt. But it's not like he was a hard guy to coach, right? He was a good hockey player. He'll tell you growing up, he was an extremely superior fighter to most people, <laughs> most of his peers. But he was a decent player. So my point was that if Mizey had played... Uh, and, and, and I think he could have found a role as playing a little bit more than he did with his NHL minutes. I think he could have played six to 12 minutes a night and been effective. I do. Um, just that combination of power speed. He, again, he, he won't tell you that he was a great skater, but he was fast for a guy that, that that's that big and imposing, right? If if Mizey was just to flip it in the corner and go get and he's pretty good, so once he got it down low, tough to get it off him. And if he's you know playing with a guy who can bury, that's pretty dangerous. I just in pro, I never really saw that. Even we played against Mizey, I believe it was in Portland in the A. He was down in the A here and there. We didn't talk about it much, but he was. But uh, it was just this, you know, you'd hear about Brent Myers coming in and you knew about all the off-ice stuff. So you were just like, Jesus, what's this going to be? And he'd go out there and, again, seemed like some kind of caricature. In pro, wasn't like Junior. Junior, I knew he was tough and everything, but he, he was like those few games I played against him in Spokane. When he was 19, I was 16. He, he played a lot. Like he was pretty good out there. He was one of their better players. In the A, it just, he had his, like, goalie cut jersey on, Vaseline on his face, leather strap, you know, all, you might as well wear a neon sign on your head, I'm a goon. But, uh, no, Mizey was, uh, Mizey was, yeah, a, a, a decent player. I mean, look, I don't know. Look at guys out there now, even. Like, when I say Lucic and Reeves, a lot of people say they're goons, but no, man, they're not goons. They're playing a bit. Goon has turned into just mean anybody tough, you know, that might get more penalty minutes than anything else. But no, Lucic and Reeves play. 
And they get a regular shift for the most part. Mizey would sit there all game and get one shift. Watch Brad Brown and fight Rob Ray. That was fucking awesome. We got called up. And Brownie had to go in the lineup. And his first shift, and they put him up. He's a fucking first-round pick defenseman. And his first shift was with, like, fucking 13 seconds left in Buffalo. And they sent him out against fucking Rob Ray. Rob fucking gave it to him. Oh, I hate laughing, but... Well, actually, I love laughing. But I don't mean to disrespect Brownie by laughing, but Jesus. I mean, that happens, right? You don't know what the fuck's going on. You might as well not even be on the team. You might as well have popcorn and be sitting in the fucking section E. Right? You're sitting there the whole game, and then, oh, by the way, you're up. <laughs> 13 seconds left. Oh, and Rob Roy's out there looking like a cartoon fucking bull. And you're, what those, remember those uh, Looney Tunes? The bull and the, uh, what's it called? Matador? And, uh, you know, the bull and steam coming out of his ears. Fucking horns all sharpened up. Ready to fucking go crazy. Yeah, 13 seconds left in Buffalo in a home game that they're winning. And you look up and Rob Ray wants his fucking penalty minutes to go on his stats. And you get the tap. Oh, boy. God. So fucking crazy and adrenaline-inducing that it is a bit of fun. It is a bit of fun. Yeah. Remember having those nights, man. But anyway, same thing. Brownie could play. Brownie was getting one shift a game for those. And then he found out, you know, a few years later, he gets traded to Chicago, then New York, then Minnesota. I think Brownie got 390 games in out of it as a D man, right? It didn't happen all the time. But Mizey never had that. Mizey wasn't a D. I just mean Brad was only being given the respect of a tough guy. He wasn't even being given much respect at all. Same thing with Mizey. I think if someone just sat him down and said, look, now I'm not saying with the fucking substance abuse, he needed to sort that out on his own. I don't know how to deal with that. I can assume, but I don't really know. What I'm saying is that as a hockey player with nothing to do with the off-ice shenanigans, if someone had said, Mizey, this is what we want you to do, you know, and here's our four check, but we want you to be a big hitter on the four check. Hey, if that causes someone to drop their gloves, so be it. Beat the fuck out of them. But we don't need you just to get the tap, you know? And uh, I just, I could be wrong. I think that he would have been not only sufficient in a third-line role, I think effective. The last thing I'll say, people say, why do you think so effective? Part of the reason he'd be effective is because he's a fucking killer and he gets room out there. So you give someone like that a chance and they're going to get more room out there than anybody else. Right? I mean, I like to fucking play it up that I'm not scared of anybody. I'll go out. I'll do anything. I'll fight. You know? I'll fight the devil. Put me out there, coach. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. And, you know, there is something to be said for that. But you're still wary of when a guy like fucking Myers is out there. If I've got the puck coming off the wall and I see Myers coming to hit me, I'll get rid of it a lot faster than if it was Johnny Goudreau. Right? I mean, it's just protecting my own bones, my body. I want to keep playing. I don't have to be terrified, but I know that that's Brant Myers. And I'm way smaller. I'm not as strong. And I want to look good. So why would I try to take it out of my own zone and get tasted by a fucking tough NHL fucking enforcer when I could just fucking 
high off the glass and out. And now Mizey's done his job without even having to do anything. And I'm fairly tough. I can't imagine when, you know, imagine a guy like Nylander. Like a guy like Nylander who's real good, way stronger than people think William Nylander I'm talking with Toronto. Snipe everything else. But a guy like that, you saw him last year when he threw a little bit of snow going in the corner. and Right? I mean, whatever. It's a new game. People are all different. Nylander's very, very good player. And I'm not knocking him in general. But, I mean, guys like that, that can be influenced one way or the other, you got a Brant Myers out against Nylander, and he doesn't quite dangle like he would be. Now, you got to work on your foot speed here, Brant, if you want to be doing that. I'm not saying that that's not the case. I just mean a lot of coaches don't, for some reason, don't put that together. That this person might be effective. Like part of what makes Ryan Reeves effective, I'm sure, is that no one wants to go around him. Right? If I got, again, I got the puck in my own end and I see him coming, I'm probably going to get out of the way a lot quicker than if it's Patrick Kane. Right? Just, it's just fucking logic. That's physics. That's science. I'm not saying pay Myers ahead of Kane. That would be idiotic. But I'm saying that some of these guys that are on the third and fourth lines aren't very imposing. A guy like fucking guy that just got traded off the Leafs, Engvall, Pierre Engvall. Big guy, but he doesn't do much with that size. Still physics. If he goes in the corner, he's still more likely than someone five foot four to come out with the puck because he's bigger. But for all that size, I'd rather somebody that's physically imposing that's going to be fucking on you in your face. Right? And they just become so much more effective. If I'm Engvall, I mean, I definitely drop my gloves. I finish every hit and I drop my gloves and I'll probably get paid more. But, I mean, who am I to say? Uh, What else? Fucking while I'm at it here, what else? Okay, in just a couple of days, we're going to have Tom fucking Laidlaw. Now, some of you know who I'm talking about, and some of you don't. So, Tom Laidlaw spent the whole decade of the 80s in the NHL. I think his first year was 80-81, his last year was 89-90. So, he was an 80s NHL player. Started in L.A., ended up in New York. Or other way around. So played in New York and L.A., two great fucking cities. Mid-90s, Tom joins IMG. I've often told you guys that Wayne Gretzky's agent was my agent. Mike Barnett was his name. And, um, well, Mike worked with IMG. Another agent at IMG was Tom Laidlaw. And he represented. So between Mike and Tom, they both represented me, Damon Lankow, and Brian Boucher. And Sheldon Surrey and more just those three the year that we were going to the NHL draft. We all got drafted in the first round together, Damon, Brent, Brian, and I. And um, I haven't mentioned that before. But, uh, you know, in our, our, we all had the same agency, IMG. Mike Barnett directly worked with me more, but Tom often, I often worked with Tom. He'd fly to Tri-Cities, make sure we were doing all right. Um, just that sort of thing. And looking back, I, I guess he'd just retired from the NHL. Now, Tom, from there, Went on, so sports management was a thing. Then he did some broadcasting. And then he went on Survivor. So in 2019, Tom, who's what? I bet you Tom's 63, so I guess he was 59 or 60. He went on, yeah, Survivor, man. And uh, 
or not Survivor Man. He went on Survivor, and because Survivor Man is a show too, um, he didn't win or anything. But just to get on the show, he was the first Canadian, not only the first hockey professional hockey player, but the first Canadian-born person to be, which I find almost hard to believe, because it was like season forty or thirty-nine. You know that started in early 2000s, and they do at least two a year. But anyway, that's it. So Tommy Laidlaw, man of uh, renaissance man, jack of all trades, was in his podcast, True Grit podcast. I was on that uh, last, oh, two weeks ago. So I'm looking forward to having him on, catching up, first of all. But second of all, he's a very interesting cat. Um, and uh, I guess the last, what, the last three people I've had are Darren Langdon, Aaron Asham, and uh, Brad Myers. So three guys that can really throw the mitts. Tom was not quite as tough. Now, he was tough, but those three guys are fucking killer tough. But was voted one of the best Rangers ever. Um, you know, the top 100 Rangers as voted on just a few years ago by, I think, players, fans, and media. And he came in there. I don't know. I think he was like number 81, but... No, you got to be pretty good if you're on the list of all-time Rangers. Anyway, very interesting, very motivated, and uh, creative guy, too. So I'm looking forward to having him on. And uh, uh, we'll get to a lot of people got some questions here about the Rangers and the Kings and playoffs in general. Let's save those for when Tom Laidlaw comes on. I'll work him into his interview. And uh, again, thanks to Brant Myers for last week. It's always so great to catch up with him. Folks, I can't recommend his book enough, Painkiller. You like my book? Well, this is 10 times as good. It's called Painkiller. It's real. It's a story of a, you know, a boy growing into man, into a man, and hockey is the vehicle, but uh, his journey presented some demons, some forks in the road, some obstacles, to say the least, and the motherfucker overcame him. And uh, not only did it, he overcame him with flying colors and now is a fantastic father, friend, person, and motivator and inspirational leader. So thanks again to Brant Myers. And I look forward to talking to Tom Laidlaw. Folks, if you're downtown St. John's this weekend, you are going to be in for a fucking treat. It's Patty's Day weekend, and the bars will be full at fucking noon on Friday, and it'll pretty much be packed from Thursday till Tuesday, methinks. And so if I'm going down this weekend, where do you think I'm going to go for a beer? I'm going to go to Greensleeves, of course, first. I'm going to pop over to TJ's Pub. Check that out. I'm definitely going to go to Rob Roy Confusion to see my buddy Kevin English. And while I'm at it, I'm going to pop down the road to Trinity Pub and check out the Manning Brothers. We'll definitely be down there along with Dave Maloney. I'll go down and have a beer with them. And then as I make my way back up the street, I'm going to at some point go to the Bull and Barrel and see Tino Borges and have a beer with him and talk about music. I might even pop into Kelly's from there and maybe the Martini Bar to see Pete Quinton. After the Martini Bar, I'll go home. I'll go to an after party. I'll get loaded. It'll be a fucking 12 to 15 hour shift of drinking for me. But then Saturday, I'm going to want up. I'm going to want to get up and uh, either, either hear the dog and get right back on it. It's Patty's Day weekend. Or the headache will be too bad and I just want to eat. And fucking relax for a bit. Well, either way, I'm going to do it at Merchant Tavern. I'm going to do it at Blue on Water. Or I'm going to do it at Wedgwood Cafe. So those places I highly recommend. Great food, great people, great service. And, you know, while I'm at it this week, in order to fucking work all that stuff off, I'm going to have to go to the gym. 
Why would I go to any gym other than power conditioning right there on Wolf Walk Lane? Strength and balance for the body and mind. It's changed my life and it'll change yours too. Of course, if I need to go get an oil change or get my car, get my tires changed, whatever it might be, it's going to have to happen in the next little bit. In the next three weeks before I go to Ontario, I'm going to have to get those things done. Well, I'm going to look no further than Mr. Lube. Mr. Lube has two locations here in St. John's, one on Torbay Road, one on Kenmount Road. Live, laugh, lube, and support world bronze medal champion and herder winner Chris Sparks by going there. So Mr. Lube, live, laugh, lube. Of course, folks, Pitbull Pain Relief. Pitbullpainrelief.com. Pain sticks that just won't quit. I highly recommend them. I use them almost every day. I skate five times a week at least, and every single time, not just after, I put it on before. Pitbull Pain Relief Sticks, they are a game changer. And, of course, True Hockey, take what's yours. Appreciate everything from Corey Gregory and the people at True Hockey. Just got some new twigs in the mail, and I'm about to go use them. At our noon hour skate here on this beautiful Tuesday in mid-March in 2023. It's a great time to be alive, folks. I'll be back in just a couple of days with Tom the Hammer Laidlaw. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I'll catch you guys on the rebound. See you soon.